You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Grizzlies show. As always, I'm your host, Mark King, for this podcast. Uh, Had a a bit of a uh, frustrating show uh, yesterday, that's for sure. Uh, The Grizzlies... Uh, it was a frustrating loss for the Rockets, and I, I think it was the most frustrating because there just was so much that happened at once. You know, with with Mark and Mike not not shooting the ball, um, Mark especially Mike taking one shot at halftime, Jaren Jackson Jr. not really getting minutes, uh, really not getting the focus that he needs to. Javon Carter being pulled, Justin Holiday not playing. <laughs> Uh, the defense not playing well, them letting uh, James Harden score 57 points when he was really the only person that they had to do anything for um, to defend against. I mean, just there's just so many things that happened all at once for that game. It was very much a breaking point uh, for me to be able to talk about. It, it was frustrating, uh, and I'm pretty sure you guys uh, heard that come across in that in that episode, but uh, we sold on. We move on, and the Grizzlies have to have to do the same. Uh, today's show, we won't have a uh, a long show for me. We got Joe Mullenix, site manager of Grizzly Bear Blues, coming on as always for these Wednesday shows. Uh, we talk for a longer time than normal today. We talk for about twenty minutes, so uh, we, we won't have a, a super long show uh, with me. I do want to talk a little bit about the. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the Bucks game coming up. That's what the Grizzlies will take on tonight down at FedEx Forum. Uh, kind of go through that a little bit, and then it'll be pretty much our conversation with Joe uh, Mullenix, site manager of Grizzly Bear Blues. If you're not already following the show, make sure you follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnGrizz. That's where we will continue the conversation after the show there on Twitter, or you can follow me at King underscore producer. Uh, coming up next, after the quick break, we're going to talk about this Bucks game, and then the sec- third segment of the uh, show, we'll have Joe Mullenix on. Welcome back to the show. Uh, like I said, going to be a shorter segment, for, uh, shorter uh, segments from me today, just because we talked so long with Joe. Uh, but the Grizzlies take on the Bucks coming up tonight at FedEx Forum. The last time the Bucks played the Grizzlies, uh, that Grizzlies actually won that game, uh, one sixteen to one thirteen. That's when they were eight and five. Man, things change. How uh, this team is a completely different team now. Uh, this team has done 180 degrees uh, since they started this year. Uh, Marcus Gasol has been uh, was excellent in that game. 29 points, five rebounds, two assists. Uh, just was really good. Was six for 12 from three, <laughs> 10 for 18 from the from the field. Uh, Mike Conley was also good. Nine for 16 from the field. Uh, two for six from three, four assists, 26 points. Ah, those were the good old days, weren't they? When Mark and Mike actually. Uh, decided to score the basketball. Uh, and this Bucks team is still as good as it was um, when they played them. Uh, we talked about this. We had actually a, a writer on from uh, that covered the Bucks talk about this very game uh, and kind of what the Grizzlies needed to do to be able to stop them. Uh, and they actually, I, it was a game I didn't think they were going to win. They actually got that win. Um, but the the Bucks have not stopped. Uh, they're 30 and 12 now. They're second in the Eastern Conference. Um, they're still a very, very good team. They are. Um, they are fourth in field goal percentage in the league. They're three, third and three pointers, uh, three pointers made. They're second and three pointers attempted. Uh, they're nineteenth in three point percentage, uh, but they they do take a lot of uh, they do take a lot of threes. Um, they do make a lot of threes. I, I don't, that's kind of a weird stat, but um, they're first in two point field goal percentage. Um, they are. Uh, second in defensive rebounds. They are five in total rebounds. They're seventh in the league in assists. They're fourth in blocks. 
um, and they are 11th in points per game. Uh, they are a few more stats about the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. They are first, excuse me, they are first in points per game, uh, average points per game in the league, and they are uh, they are ninth in a, opponents' points per game. That puts them at fourth offensively, at fourth offensive rating and second defensive rating. So. I say all that to say they are really good at basketball still. Um, And this is a time where the Grizzlies are letting uh, people just go bananas from the three-point line. Uh, they, they, that Houston game, like we talked about, they, they let one quarter, they make nine threes. And sometimes the Grizzlies don't even make nine threes in an entire game. And they let the Houston Rockets make nine in uh third quarter. So um, it, it doesn't look good for the Grizzlies to be able to win this game. Um, Giannis also still averaging 26 points, 12 rebounds, six assists, 1.3 steals, 1.5 blocks. Uh, he's still being really, really awesome at basketball. Chris Middleton still being great. Malcolm Brogdon, Eric Bledsoe playing good. Brooke Lopez is playing still uh, out of his mind, especially from three-point uh, three point land, taking almost seven three-pointers a game uh, and making almost three a game. Uh, so this team is a completely different monster um, as far as Brooke Lopez is concerned with that three-point ability that he's able to stretch Mark out way out onto the floor. So, um I don't have a whole lot of positive things here to, to, to really dive down into this game. Uh, it's going to be very challenging for the Grizzlies to be able to win this game. Um, that's not saying they can't because they've certainly surprised us before, but it's going to be very challenging to for them to win this game. Um, things they really excelled at last game, it wasn't stopping Giannis and it wasn't stopping Chris Middleton. Um, I think Giannis is going to get his points no matter what. I think probably Chris Middleton will do the same. Uh, they were able to stop Malcolm. They were they were to slow down Malcolm Brogdon, hold him uh, well below his uh, his season average or his game average. Same thing with Brooker Lopez. Uh, they were they were largely uh, not great in that last game. Um, and then Eric Bledsoe only had 15 points. I know that, uh, that sounds like a lot, but he averages 18 points for uh, on the year. So, um, you know, the yes, they let Giannis, they let Chris Middleton get their points, but beyond that, they didn't have a lot of guys that really did damage. They had Pat Connington off the off the bench, got 16 points. Um, but, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of other players. Their bench was, besides Pat Connington off the bench, there wasn't there. There was... Uh, Yosova had six points. Thonmaker had three. Dante Davinjo had three as well. So just just not a whole lot of points off the bench beside Pat Connington. So they were they're able to uh, largely uh, win the when the starters match up. You know Kyle Anderson only had six that game, but and they only won by three points. So it, yes, they edged them out, um, and they were able to really uh, clamp down on on some of their reserve players or some of their kind of secondary secondary players. So. Grizzlies are going to have to do the same. You know, it's the same. It's not one of those situations like the Rockets where it's just slow down uh, James Harden. They got plenty of guys that can beat you. They got plenty of guys that can make three point make three pointers. Um, so it's going to be a, going to have to be a much better defensive night from everybody involved. I don't know Mark's status as far as his health. Uh, so that remains to be seen. We'll probably get more on that tomorrow before the game, obviously. Uh, but so if Mark plays, he will have to be much better defensively than they have. All of, everybody will be have to be much better defensively than they have been in the past games because they have been atrocious. Um, and then you know Mark and Mark are gonna have to shoot the ball. They're gonna have to make point. They're gonna have to make shots. And Jaron Jackson's gonna have to have to be treated like a, the third best player on their team. 
Um, and until those things change, I don't, I, I don't see much happening. I know there's no, I mean, no Kyle Anderson, no Dylan Brooks. So, you know, I see a very, very slim chance of them winning this game. Uh, most likely they probably take a loss and we'll be back on the next day's podcast breaking that loss down and maybe talking with some more guests. But uh, that's about all I have on the Grizzlies Bucks coming up tonight at the forum. Uh, coming up next after this break, we'll be talking with Joe Mullenick, site manager of Grizzly Bear Blues. Welcome back to the show. Always on Wednesday show now, Joe Mullenick, site manager of Grizzly Bear Blues. How's it going, man? I'm doing okay. Uh, you've had a rough couple of days here, or at least the past day or so. Uh, are you okay? I feel like I need to ask <laughs> if my associate editor of GrizzlyBearBlues.com is is doing all right. You were pretty upset about the whole uh, Grizzlies ordeal. You know, it was it was a breaking point uh, that Rockets game. I think for me that really uh, a lot of things that were happening in that game were just it's 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 been so frustrating over the past few weeks as you know you've watched as much as i have oh, sure. uh it's been it's been frustrating to sit here and watch things happen over and over again uh the kind of the same things and things don't change which is where i, I do want to start with you and just kind of figure out um uh, talk a little bit about that game against the rockets uh jb starts javon carter instead of justin holiday uh justin holiday plays really about seven minutes before the game gets really out of hand uh, why, why did the Grizzlies even bother giving up two second round picks and, and two players for a guy that they really, I guess, uh, the coach really doesn't see value in. I might be overanalyzing this Mark. I've, uh, and I'm going to write about this for the blog. Uh, and obviously this show will post Wednesday, so it'll be live on the blog, uh, Wednesday, but it's just another example of the dysfunction with the Grizzlies right now. I think that there's more to the Chandler Parsons situation. I think J.B. Bickerstaff is, is annoyed that he can't use Chandler Parsons, you know, J.B. And uh, J.B. and Chandler had a relationship, obviously, dating back to Houston. Uh, Chandler said he would trust J.B. Bickerstaff with his life, that sort of thing. Um, it, it's, it's frustrating for me because I, I think that he's not playing Justin Holiday almost out of spite. Now, and that's, again, maybe an over-analysis on my part, but I, I think you could tell from his no comment when he was asked about it. I think the commercial appeal, uh, David Cobb asked about it uh, a week or two ago. Um, and it, it just, it doesn't make any more, it doesn't make sense logically. The Grizzlies front office goes out and trades two wings, one of whom being Marshawn Brooks, who isn't particularly good. And Wayne Selden, who isn't that much better, but at least he's 23 or 24 years old. I mean, at least he's a young player that in theory could develop and, and maybe get better. And then two second-round picks for this guy who plays seven or eight minutes a game. He's in the mop-up duty role uh, at the end of the Rockets game, which got out of hand, and we'll talk more about that here in a second. But I just think it's another example of the front office and the coaching staff not being on the same page. And that's extremely frustrating because the front office is the reason that J.B. Bakerstaff is here. They're the ones that said, oh, we have our man. They're they're the reason – that there hasn't been an extended, or there wasn't, excuse me, an extended coaching search. They may have made some calls, but there's no public search. There's no really anything to really kind of point to and say, oh, they're really trying to meet with as many people as they can. They just went with JB. They, they knew Mark and Mike liked him. They knew it was comfortable. It was the easiest thing to do. And that's what they did. And now it looks like there's not a communication point between those two sides. And to me, and like I said, it might be a bit of a reach, but it just seems like this might be another example of that disconnect. You know, here's Justin Holiday, 
who clearly the front office valued enough to give up multiple assets for, even if they're not the largest assets. There's still pieces that could have been used in future dealings that are no longer in Memphis, and the guy rides the pine. Um, I doubt Justin Holiday is that bad of a basketball player to not get minutes on a bad Grizzlies team. So that, that's, a, that's a frustrating piece of that Rockets loss that's carried on. Another frustrating piece is just the overall utter disregard for defense that for some reason has come to be with a team that is supposed to hang their hat on that end of the court. And, Mark, I know you've talked about this and others have as well. To me, that's the most frustrating part of all of this, is it's not like this is the Phoenix Suns or the Atlanta Hawks. It's not like this is a team that understood their lot and they didn't necessarily tank because I think the Suns are competing and doing the best they can. DeAndre Aiden isn't tanking. You know, if Luka Doncic wasn't around, you could argue he was the uh, rookie of the year. Um, or if J.D. Bickerstaff, another example, wouldn't hold back his own rookie, uh, you could argue Jaron could be in that conversation. But, you know, DeAndre Ayton's having a good year. The Suns traded for Kelly Oubre. You know, they're doing things to try to improve their, their situation, but it's not like they're saying, we're going to make the playoffs. The Grizzlies went into the season with the stated goal of getting back to the playoffs, and it has just completely collapsed. So the Houston Rockets game, whether it's defense on the perimeter, whether it's scoring from Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley, whether it's body language, the attitude reflecting leadership that I've written about in the past, it was just another quantification of a lot of the issues that are facing this team, and it's not going to get any better. It's going to get worse before it gets better because the Grizzlies don't have the capacity, both in terms of talent and in terms of X's and O's and scheme, to get themselves out of this rut. I just don't see them, you know, I tweeted it out, it's probably going to be 19 and 27 the next time you and I talk, Mark. If not worse, I think they have a game that Monday. It might be 19 and 28. And at that point, you know, you're really kind of in the deepest parts of despair where that pick does, doesn't convey this year. You have the seventh pick in the draft, and now your goal of, of at least moving on from this draft pick that you owe Boston is completely lost. So I know I went a lot of different places here, but to, to me, that game is a perfect example of all of the stuff that is facing these Grizzlies right now and why they are not going to be able to get themselves out of it. Yeah. And like I said, I think that's probably why it was not only a breaking point for me, but a breaking point for a lot of people, just because of the, there were so many things wrong. It wasn't just one thing you point to and go, Oh, Mark didn't play well. So they lost the game. It was Mark didn't shoot the ball. I mean, he may have made a, you know, he may have been dealing with an injury. Obviously he got injured early, but Mark, you know, Mike didn't shoot the ball. Mark didn't shoot the ball. Didn't give Jaron the ball. There was no defense. They didn't, they didn't try to play. I mean, there's just so many things in that game that happened. It was just like, Oh my gosh, what are we, what are we doing here? Like, uh, I think was, that was the title of my episode today was what are the Grizzlies doing? Um, but as a player's coach, I, I texted you this as a player's coach with JV. How does he get Mike and Mark, especially Mark, to understand that he has to shoot the ball for them to win games? Especially those guys, they can't go into a halftime where they both have a combined five shots. That's that's not going to win any games ever. The thing about being a player's coach, and the thing about the way that JV Bickerstaff got that job, and the way that he's probably viewed, he he doesn't have their ear. You know, it, it's not Greg Popovich. It's not. I don't want to say that he doesn't have the respect, because I think that's strong. If that were the case, he wouldn't be there to see David Fisdale. Uh, but I, I don't think that they they see him as someone who is essentially in place because of them. 
I don't think they trust his ability to be in the position that he's in and consistently perform. Um, or, or they've just tuned him out completely because of the actions of the front office, because of the fact they don't, you know, they don't like the, the talk of the future and moving on and that sort of thing. We're especially talking about Mark more so than Mike. Uh, you know, Marcus All has done a remarkable amount of things for this franchise, and he should be commended for that. But at the same time, there's numerous examples over the years of him, uh, for lack of a better word, frumpy, uh, when it comes to a variety of people and things and situations within the Grizzlies organization. Um, it's just one of those situations where Baker staff needs to put his foot down or the front office needs to put their foot down. Clearly they're capable of doing it when it comes to Chandler Parsons. Um, but because of the power that they've given Mark, especially and Mike to a lesser extent through their contracts to the say that they had in the coaching search, especially Mark, Mark's relationship with Robert Para. I just don't see them as really taking the coaching all that well right now. I would like to give J.B. Bickerstaff credit saying that he's trying to coach these guys up, but they're going about their business on the floor in a way that is not conducive to winning basketball. And that's, you know, it's, it's a sign of not listening and it's a sign of apathy. And that really concerns me. We're getting to the stage in the season now where the Grizzlies look apathetic to the way things are going. I think Brevin Knight's the one who tweeted out that he talked to Clyde Drexler at the Rockets game, and, and Clyde Drexler said, your team doesn't fight. That, that's indicative of leadership, and that's indicative of coaching. So J.B. Bickerstaff, for whatever reason, does not have these guys' ears right now, and they're not going to win until they find a way to reprioritize themselves both on the offensive and defensive end of the floor. Yeah, this team is 180 degrees from the way they started at the beginning of the year. I mean, the Mark's 180 degrees from where we started. This whole team, the team as a whole, um, and Claude Drexler's exactly right. That's exactly what they look like inside a Houston team because you have a team that is missing three of their starters, and you really only have to sell out to one player to really slow them down. At least have a chance. Sell out to Harden. If, you, if Austin Rivers makes contested threes over guys and he makes those and they win because of that, then so be it. Who cares? Uh, but right. as long as Harden has dropped 57 on you and they just, like you said, they came out in that third quarter and just, they just didn't care. I, it, it, I don't know how else to say that nicely, just that it looked like they didn't care. Um, but the Grizzlies lose Kyle Anderson for uh, at least probably four weeks, probably about a month, uh, which is a long time to have someone uh, that was playing quite well. What, what do the Grizzlies do uh, without Kyle Anderson long term? We, we thought it was Justin Holiday, but I don't know anymore. I <laughs> well, first off, and I'm glad that you said it. I think Kyle Anderson needs to continue to get credit for being one of the best players on this team. Absolutely, um, he he has been a, a revelation, especially of late in the past few weeks. As GD Bickerstaff, again, we we're just criticizing JB, but one of the things he has done pretty well is use Kyle Anderson more as a point forward. You know, when Kyle Anderson has the ball in his hands. That's when he's at his most effective as that guy who can facilitate offense, create for others, use his versatility and ability to play multiple positions to find mismatches on the court. Losing that is pretty important. You know, Kyle Anderson was a guy who was filling the role that a lot of people thought Chandler Parsons could fill. Obviously, Anderson, a better defender, and Parsons, in theory, a better shooter, but a larger wing who can play both forward positions, move around on the, on the perimeter. That's what you're looking for Chandler, and Kyle was able to do that at a pretty high level, and now he's gone. 
it should be Justin Holiday. Even if it was Henry Caspi, that would make a little more sense. But, you know, JB went with uh, Javon Carter, and I'm guessing his logic was he could defend James Harden. But that obviously didn't well, whether it be foul trouble or just getting cooked in general. And in fairness to Javon, James Harden does that to just about everybody in the NBA. Um, but they really need to find uh, a, a lineup. And again, the, the roster's not good, Mark. Uh, the, the reason they're struggling is because they're not good. Marcus All and Mike Conley are your two best players on the team, and they probably should be the second or third best player on a contending team at this stage. That they're being paid like they're superstars, comparable max contract money. Memphis had to pay that to keep them, but at the same time, they're not those guys. They're not James Harden. They're not Kyrie Irving. They're not a Boogie Cousins when he's healthy, or even a Joel Embiid, or or these other guys that are worthy of that kind of contract. They're not as good as those players, and because of that, it puts them in a spot. They're limited in terms of their roster. Obviously, the Parsons deal was a massive disaster in hindsight. And you have a bunch of guys being asked to do more than they're capable of. And on some nights, they're, they're able to do that. The San Antonio game is a great example. But more often than not, they're not going to be able to. So whoever they get to fill that void left by Kyle Anderson, it's going to be the same situation. It's going to be somebody who's not physically capable of playing the minutes or doing the role that they're asking him to do. And that's just going to continue to weaken and drive the, the point of all of this that, you know, we're inching closer and closer to a time where it might be time to hit the reset button and get this thing going in a different direction. You know, there's an argument for, and I've made this argument and I stand by it for now, but you want to convey that 2019 pick to Boston now in a draft that's very top heavy. But if you're going to lose this way with Mark and Mike on the roster, you might as well lose with them off the roster and future assets and at your disposal that you didn't have before and, and building around Jaron Jackson Jr. and giving him 34 to 36 minutes a night simply because he's your best player now if you move on from Mark and Mike. So that's, that's kind of where we're at in terms of that tipping point. You know, I said this 10-game stretch coming up was going to be vastly important, and they're only two in it. So if they want to try to turn the season around and put some wins together, it has to start soon, and I don't think Javon Carter is the answer. So missing Kyle Anderson, missing your fourth best player, you've got to try to find comparable ability. To me, that's Justin Holiday, but we'll see if J.B. Bickerstaff agrees. Well, you got to at least roll Justin Holiday out there and see what you got. I mean, you like I said, you like we talked about earlier, you gave up you gave up players and picks to get him. You have to at least get him out there and and see what you really have. Get him more just sure. for the offense. I know he he hasn't been great, um, and and so, but you at least have to do something. Uh, you mentioned moving on, and, and there's been a lot of talk about tanking. Everybody is just saying blow it up. Um, there was a, a tweet from uh, I believe most Mark sign about Marcus Albon yep. possibly not. Um, not re-signing with the team uh, this offseason. What do you do with Marcus All? And I am I understand this. It's a it's it's a complex issue. And I'm probably gonna do a whole show on that, or at least a couple segments on this show probably tomorrow. But where do the Grizzlies go with Marcus All? In your opinion? Well, Parker Fleming did a good job of this recently, writing about various trade ideas for Mark. One of the things that are going to make people hesitant to trade him is. You're not going to get the value from Marcus Hall that you think you're going to get in a trade. It's just not going to happen. Um, he he mentioned one deal. I think it was Frank Kaminsky and Nick Batum and a lottery protected first for Marcus Hall. That, that's probably his value. Like I don't, I wouldn't necessarily blink 
if that was the trade offer that was made. And that doesn't mean I would do that trade, but a long-term asset, a first-round pick, a decent younger player. Frank Kaminsky is a good reserve, six-man type big. I don't know. He's a starter in the NBA, but he's certainly a reserve off the bench, can shoot the ball. And Nick Batum is a veteran who is not as good as his contract, but he at least is serviceable. He can go out there and eat minutes on a team that's probably not going to be very good. That's Marcus Gasol's value. And Mike Conley's value is probably a little bit more than that, but you're not getting surefire things for either guy. So if you're going to trade Marcus Gasol, and if you're looking into that market being a real thing, you need to understand that first and foremost, that your goal needs to be taking on bad money, long-term deals like a Nikola Batum, in exchange for an asset. You know, when you see Frank Kaminsky as an asset in this particular instance, first-round picks being more of the priority. But that's what you're looking for. You need to be willing to tra- take on dead money like that in exchange for something that will be of value in terms of a first-round pick, in terms of developing a, a future base around Jared Jackson Jr. So I, I think there's probably – you know, if Stein is the guy tweeting it out, obviously his relationship with John Hollinger and others in the Grizzlies front office, I'm kind of leaning towards the Grizzlies possibly floating that out there to see what value there may be in Mark in the deal. Um, that's speculation on my part, no source or anything on that front. Um, but if you're going to move Mark, you have to be okay with what that means. You know, he's a 34-year-old big man. Is he a guy who could be the second or third best player on a title contender? I think so, especially third best player. But at the same time, you're not going to get, especially in season where there's salary cap restraints, you know, the Lakers are a team that make a ton of sense for Gasol, but they're not making a trade until they're sure that they can't get Anthony Davis because Gasol is going to opt into that contract more than likely, which is the whole reason they're having this conversation. And that's going to limit them in terms of their acquisition of AD. And then on the flip side, the only team in season that is probably desperate enough to make that kind of trade and uh, Parker referenced it in his article would be a Charlotte who's trying to keep Kemba Walker around and showing them that they're all in to try to compete and win so you're not maximizing value for him but as I said earlier you're not winning with him so you might as well get a first round pick you might as well get a younger player who you think has a skill set that fits with Kyle Anderson and Jaron Jackson Jr. guys that are going to be around, even a Dylan Brooks who's out for the season, obviously. But you've got to start taking a long-term view of this franchise. And, and to their credit, they built as best they could around Mark and Mike this year without giving up too many long-term assets, you know, even the second-round picks. You know, in theory, you can replace those in a variety of easy ways, uh, comparatively speaking, to the first-round picks. But you can't go into it thinking you're going to get an all-star for Mark Gasol. You know, that's just not going to happen at this point. Yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, you're not obviously not going to get. Um, you're not going to get equal value return. And I've I've always said that no star trade in any situation really gets equal value return just because of what they bring to the table. Um, but yeah, it's it's a hard thing to talk about because Marcus Saul means a lot to this franchise. He means a lot to people here. I mean, he sells tickets. But it is sure. a conversation I think the Wizards have to continually have um, about Marcus Saul's future with the franchise and see what they can get for them, whether that's picks, whether that's taking on dead money for higher picks, whatever the case it may be. You know, something also with Mark is, you know, it's, it's a $26 million contract. You can't just trade it away for, you know, you got to take something. Kicker. 
Right. You have to, you have the, to trade something back. You have to get something right. back. You know, you, you, so you're not just going to like trade it away and get some young guys on, on, on good contracts. You're going to have to take something back. So like I said, it's, it's a complicated situation, but hopefully the Grizzlies are, are taking a look at it. But again, Joe Monix, site manager, site manager of Grizzly Bear Blues. Thanks again for joining me this week, man, as always. Of course. Looking forward to next week. All right. Talk to you then. Thanks again to Joe for joining me. I appreciate him coming on as always. Uh, if you're not following him on Twitter, you can follow him on Twitter at Joe Mullinex. Uh, thanks again to him uh, joining the show as always, just like he does every single week. Uh, if you're not following the show on Twitter, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Locked on Grizz. If you want to be a feature sponsor on this very show, please email me, lockedongrizz at gmail.com. We have a growing audience every single day that we want you to be a part of. Uh, if not... Just find our show on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you get those automatic downloads. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Doesn't matter. It's all available on every platform. Or just go to LockedOnGrizzlies.com.